Hey everyone, just a quick thing before we start the episode. I wanted to let you know about a free productivity guide I wrote recently called Finding the Sixth Day, an engineer's quick guide to making more time now. The guide provides a five-step process for freeing up eight hours of productive time within the next week. So if you're feeling crunched for time, you should give it a shot. And best of all, it's free. All you have to do is go to engineeringandleadership.com slash sixth day to get your free copy. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash the number six, T-H, day. For engineers who think reply all should be a thing of the past, this is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. Pat Sweet here, and welcome to episode 12 of the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, the show dedicated to helping engineers thrive. In today's episode, I give my best strategies for taming your inbox so that you can spend more time on your actual work. Hey everyone, Pat Sweet here. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Whether you're out for a run or driving or maybe mowing the lawn, whatever your situation, uh, I'm really glad that you brought me along for the ride. One quick thing that I wanted to mention before we dive in, I'm planning on starting a series of free webinars to help engineering leaders and managers develop real applied management skills, stuff that you can actually use in your day-to-day work. What I'd love to know before I start, though, is what would you like to learn about? If you have anything that you've always wanted to know more about or something you really struggle with or something you feel really isn't covered anywhere else despite your best efforts uh, of looking for things, uh, I really do want to hear about that. So drop me a line at pat at engineeringandleadership.com and uh, let me know. Looking forward to hearing from you. All right, let's move on to the main content for today. Twenty-eight percent. That's the proportion of time the average knowledge worker spends on email, according to a recent McKinsey study. That's 11 hours and 12 minutes out of a 40-hour work week. And for managers, it's even likely higher than that. Love it or hate it, email is a constant presence for most engineers. Given that it's likely that it's here to stay for the foreseeable future, it's really important to be able to get the most bang for your buck when you're spending time in your inbox. Today, I'm going to give you eight strategies, eight strategies that I use to make sure that I'm not spending a minute more than I have to on email in the run of a week, and for those minutes that I do spend, that it's time well spent. Let's dig in. Strategy number one is to batch process. A recent Forbes article claimed that the average professional checks email 15 times a day. In an eight-hour day, that's once every 32 minutes. Now, I've got a question for you. Do you really need to respond to emails within a half hour? Is that your expectation of other people? No, of course it's not. If you send someone an email, you don't expect to hear from them within the half hour. If you do, that's great, but that's not actually your expectation. You're not watching your clock and waiting 30 minutes and thinking, well, what? why in the heck hasn't Ted responded yet? Something, something must be wrong. So since that doesn't happen... Since there's no expectation of a 30-minute turnaround, then there's no actual value to checking your email this frequently. The cost, on the other hand, is very clear. 
The cost is frequent task switching. And I've discussed already in a previous episode that when you switch tasks, there are mobilization costs, meaning it takes time to ramp up and hit maximum productivity when you move on to a new task. So every time you switch from doing something else to email, there's time there that you cannot recover. Unproductive time. So every time you switch, there's mobilization costs. So if we agree that there's no value in checking email every half hour, but we do agree that there's a cost, we we need a better solution. We've got to do something different. And that something different is to batch process email. What I do is I schedule literally in my calendar two to three times a day to check and deal with email. And when I'm in there, I always start with what's most important first. And I'll get to that in the next strategy. Then At least once every week or two, I schedule a a huge chunk of time to really get rid to clean out the rest of my inbox. Anything that I didn't process that I felt wasn't really important and urgent to deal with in that moment, I take care of that stuff then. And by and large, uh, I, I, I very, very rarely miss anything that's of any actual importance. Everything else is generally just fluff or FYI type stuff that really isn't all that important. So strategy number one, batch process your email. Strategy number two is to respond to the most important emails first. Generally, when I take on coaching clients, engineers who are high performance folks who who want to get even better or, or engineering managers who want to better manage their teams, one of the things we always talk about is email and how you process email. And one of the mistakes that I see happening very frequently is email gets processed chronologically, meaning some people think that the Uh, most recent emails ought to be processed first. Other people feel that the oldest emails need to be processed first. I don't buy either one of those strategies. I think email needs to be processed by most important first. And the way I evaluate importance is, first of all, based on who the sender is. So I always respond to email from my customers, from my management, and from my team before any other email gets addressed. And it's kind of shocking to realize how many emails you get from people who don't fall in to one of those three categories. I would say half the email that I get comes from people who are not either a customer, a manager, or a member of my team. It's, It's really quite surprising. So when you think about it that way, when you think about the fact that you can you can really ignore half the email you get because it doesn't fall uh, within one of these core stakeholder groups, all of a sudden your job of processing email gets much, much easier. So once I've dealt with email from those important people, I then shift my attention to any emails that have that important marker, that red exclamation mark. Some people are, are really diligent about only using that in times of actual need, other people, it seems, like every email they send has that important tag and everything is all caps, you need to use a little bit of judgment to decide which one is which. And if you've worked where you work for any length of time, you know who sends red exclamation marks on every email. Uh, you can you could probably skip those. But all the other ones, probably a good idea to take a look at those. I also am very particular about processing invitations. If people are making requests for my time, I treat that as though it may be important um, and I'm very quick to make a decision on whether or not I can support that person in their request for my time. So that's, that's the other major category. So your email inbox, to me, should be treated like an emergency room. Worst comes first. 
But in this case, it's not, it's not worst, it's most important needs to come first. So strategy number two, respond based on importance as opposed to chronologically. Strategy number three is to not start your day with email. And this is related to strategy number one, where I was talking about batching. Most people, the very first thing they do in the morning is they sit at the computer, they open up their email client, and they spend the first several hours of their day in their inbox. I think this is a terrible way to start your day for a couple reasons. One, it makes you feel like you're getting something done because you're getting very concrete feedback. You're seeing this list disappear in front of you. That's very satisfying. But your job, by and large, is probably not to process email. Email is a tool that gets used in order to do whatever your job actually is. So instead of doing that job, you're using this tool, which may or may not actually be helping you accomplish what you're on the payroll to do. So instead of starting your day with email, what I recommend is you start your day with your most important task. The one thing that if it were the only thing that you would get done today, you could go home feeling good about having actually accomplished something concrete. That's your most important task, your MIT. Instead of opening your email inbox, get to work on your MIT. Even if you only spend the first hour of your day, that's a much better way to start your day. So strategy number three, don't start your day with email. If you absolutely have to, you can, if you're very, very disciplined about it, you can open your email and take a quick scan to see if there's anything that really truly is an urgent tire fire that needs to be dealt with. Again, you should be scanning emails from your customers, your management, and your team. I would even suggest setting a timer so that you're not in there any more than maybe 10 minutes. Because again, it's real easy to get swept up in your inbox and feel like you're getting things done when really you're not. So again, strategy number three, don't start your day with email. Strategy number four is to choose your medium. Uh, email is easy, right? It's very, it's quick, it's straightforward, it's simple. There's a lot going for email in terms of a communication medium. The problem is it's not always the best tool for the job. If you have a think about who you're trying to communicate to, what you're trying to communicate, the nature of the conversation that you expect to drive based on whatever it is you're sending, maybe email isn't the best way to go. So the problem with sending an email when some other method might be more appropriate is twofold. One, if you're sending email, you're likely to get email in response. Again, whether or not it's the most effective and efficient way for the responder to communicate. So when you send email, you get email back. And this is the whole problem that we're trying to solve here is not spending more time than we ought to in our inboxes. So if there's a better way to communicate, use that better way, even if it's harder in the moment. If it can be more efficient and effective, it's worth your while. And there's that that bonus of also avoiding the inevitable email responses that that would invoke. The other thing is that if email is not the best way to communicate your message, there's a risk of miscommunication, which creates a whole other host of headaches. Always, always, always be diligent, be intentional about the specific communication method that you choose. Don't just email because it's there, because you're responding to someone who emailed you in the first place. That's not a good enough reason. There are lots of other alternatives. You could send an instant message. 
You can pick up the phone. There's video chat, meetings, face-to-face conversations, Slack, message boards, newsletters, blog posts, social media. Heck, you could start an internal podcast. There are lots of other ways to communicate. So don't be quick to lean on email. Every method has its pros and cons, so choose wisely. Strategy number five is to pick your recipients. Now, I'm going to ask you kind of a personal question here, and I want you to answer honestly. You don't, you don't have to tell me. Obviously, this is a podcast. You're not going to be able to tell me, but, but for yourself, answer honestly. Are you that person who replies all every time, even when the sender asks you not to? Because if you are, you and I need to have a heart-to-heart. Your colleagues are judging you. I'm telling you, if you're that person who replies all, you need to not be that person who replies all, unless it really is important for everyone who was copied in the first place to hear what your response is. When you send or respond to an email, it's very important to be particular about who needs that message, who is going to take action either today or at some point in the future based on what you have to say. And this is really important. There are two reasons that this is important. One, you want to help keep your colleagues' inboxes clean, right? You want to do for others what you are trying to achieve here, which is to spend less time in your inbox and to spend quality time with the time you do have to spend in your inbox. And the second thing is to avoid confusion. When you communicate to people who don't need to hear the message, there's a risk of churn. There's a risk of creating these situations where you need to clarify messages to people who don't need to hear the message in the first place. There's an incredible amount of time spent communicating to people who don't need the message in the first place, but because they know the message is out there, they they feel the need to be involved. So strategy number five, be very, very particular about who you're sending messages to. You need to make sure that you catch everyone who needs the message but not a person more than that. Strategy number six is Ohio. Now, Ohio stands for only handle it once. If you're going to dedicate time to email, just deal with it. Use that time, read your email, respond to the email then and there, if at all possible, and move on. Don't read something and kind of set it aside and not really process it, but kind of think about it. No, if you're going to be in your inbox read your email, respond to your email. Now, if you don't have an answer right away, that's okay. But what you do then is you respond to the email saying, yes, I acknowledge that you're asking a question or you need something or whatever the case may be. You say, I don't have an answer for you right now, but I will get back to you by a certain date. And then you move the task to your to-do list and then archive whatever message was in your inbox. Ohio, only handle it once. Strategy number seven that I use is not to waste your time filing. Now, I used to be the kind of person who had an incredibly elaborate email filing system. Melville Dewey of the Dewey Decimal System himself would have been amazed at this system that I created. It It was a thing of beauty. The problem was sophisticated systems are tough to maintain. It took time and energy, A, to to file every message that I got, and B, to retrieve messages that were a little bit ambiguous. Maybe the sender covered three different topics in a particular email, or a couple different projects, or a couple different action items. Then what do you do? 
it's very easy for things to get convoluted and for you to have to check several places in a sophisticated system. What I realized after some time is I'd kind of given up on using my email file system, and I was defaulting to using the search function in Outlook. If you understand basic search operators in Outlook, it's much, much faster, generally, to find what you're looking for based on whether or not the message had an attachment, if you know who it came from, basically what the subject was. If you know anything about the email, it's probably easier to find it using search. Really, don't waste your time filing. It takes time and mental energy to decide how to file it, and it doesn't actually end up helping you in the end in terms of finding things when you need them later. Finally, strategy number eight is turn notifications off. You have enough distraction during your day. You've got people calling you. You've got meetings. You've got people popping by your desk if you happen to be working in in an office environment. Since you're batching email because you're following strategy number one, you don't need to see every email that comes in. You can even be bold and tell your team that, listen, if you need me urgently, pick up the phone or send me an IM. There are still ways for people to reach out to you if they need something quickly, but people need to learn that you aren't going to turn email messages around in a half hour. And guess what? That's reasonable. It's okay. In most office environments that I'm familiar with, a 24-hour turnaround is considered normal. That's the expectation. So you don't need notifications on. The only thing that that can serve to do is distract you from getting the real work done that you're trying to focus on right now. Emails will get addressed when you decide you're going to process your next batch, which is probably happening two to three times a day anyway. One of my colleagues, my current workplace, even builds into his email signature instructions on how to reach him quickly if something is needed very urgently, and that email is not the best way to reach him. And I I think that's great. I think it's bold. But at the same time, he gets that message across and it improves communication with him, which is important because he's a very busy guy. Again, turn notifications off and really do rely on your batch processing. Let's recap the eight strategies here. Strategy number one was to batch process your email. Strategy two was when you do go in and process your batches, deal with what's most important first. Don't necessarily need to go chronologically. Strategy three Don't start your day with email. Start your day with the most important task on your list. Strategy four is to choose your medium. Email is one tool, but only one tool, and you've got a lot at your disposal, so be particular about choosing the right medium for the message. Strategy five is to pick your recipients, and don't be that person who replies all just because the button's there. Strategy six is Ohio, only handle it once. Seven is don't bother with elaborate filing systems. All you really need is a really good search function. And finally, strategy eight, turn notifications off. Email is a great tool, but it's only one tool. And none of us are email engineers. I sure hope this doesn't show up in any of your business cards. Hopefully, with these strategies, you can get control of your inbox, spend time on email more wisely, and have even more time for what's important, like focusing on your real work. Next up, We'll get into the engineering and leadership mailbag.
This is the part of the show where I read your mail, comments, tweets, and messages, and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me, and I promise to share my favorites right here on the podcast. I got a really nice message from Don, a fellow from Texas who recently found the podcast. So I wanted to say hello to you, Don. Uh, and also a thank you because you found a couple bugs in my website. So I appreciate you pointing those out and, and helping me create a better website. That's fantastic. Don, when he wrote me, uh, is struggling with something. So uh, I'm, I'm withholding Don's last name uh, to protect him and his situation. But I did, I did think it would be valuable uh, explaining the situation here on the podcast. And I'd also like to get your feedback on how you would handle the situation. So let me paint a picture. Don, like many of us, is wrestling with an age-old decision. Should he stay in his cushy management role or should he go back to technical work, which in this case is software engineering, and really his first real love in terms of his career. He put it really well when he said, uh, and I quote, shall I venture out of my gilded cage for a dream? Meaning, should he risk this really sweet gig? I'm sure it pays well, and I'm sure that there are lots of perks. To do work he's, frankly, more interested in and would be more passionate about. And I know that this is something that I personally have wrestled with at times in my career. And I know it's something that many of you have likely wrestled with as well. And to me, there's no one clear answer to this one. But there are a few things that I believe that are, are fundamental truths that I think can can help guide someone who's in a situation like this. First thing is it's important to love your work. Uh, once upon a time, I wrote a, a whole blog post dedicated to, to this specific topic. And to this day, this was years ago, to this day is still one of the most popular articles on the blog. So I'll, I'll put a, a link to that in the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 12 and have a look at that. So it's important to love your work. Two, it's important to keep the end in mind. And what I mean by that is if you have a long-term vision for your career, how does your current role help you toward that long-term vision? And by comparison, how would this other role that you're considering help you? Is it a stepping stone? Is it a lateral move? Is it a step backward? Again, the, there's there's no one silver bullet here, but it's important to have that longer-term context when you're making decisions like this. And the third thing is that more money does not necessarily make you happier. There are a number of studies that have been done, particularly in the United States, that basically say after $70,000 U.S., your happiness does not go up materially with increases to salary. Meaning, yes, of course, you could buy things, but those those things are not necessarily going to generate any material change in your in your well-being, right? So after 70000 yes, it would be great to have cool stuff, but to what end? Why? Why is stuff important to you? And that's, an, that's a really important question you have to ask yourself. And in this case, and, and, and I think this is a challenge for many people, is that they look at management and they look at progression through their career as being important and that, and that it's important for its own sake. And I would challenge you to, if you're in this situation, to think a little more critically about that. Why? Why do you want to progress? Why do you want to get into management? If it's for money, if it's for prestige, if it's for power, to what end, right? So, Don, I'm really glad you reached out. I'm really glad you found the podcast. And I hope these three points uh, provide something of a framework, anyway, for you to think through your decision and what's next in your career. 
My question of the week for the audience as a whole is I'd love to know, what would you do in Don's situation? And for those of you who have been in that situation, what did you do or what are you planning on doing? And what helped you make that call? So if you have advice for Don, I'd love to hear it. You can respond to the question of the week in the show notes. Like I said, engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 12. Or you can reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter, or email. And I'll leave the links for all of those in the show notes. That is all the time we have for the show today. Remember, don't forget to grab your copy of The Sixth Day, that productivity guide that I mentioned off the top, and fire me an email letting me know what you might want to learn about when I start launching these live webinars. I'd love to know what topics you're interested in. So again, fire me a note. If you enjoyed the show, please hit the subscribe button, and that way you'll get notified automatically whenever I release a new podcast. And if you've got a minute, please leave a review. Honest reviews help me make the show better and help others who might like the show to find the show. So that's win-win. If you want to read what you just heard, just go to engineeringandleadership.com episode 12. There you'll be able to find the main content, all the links and resources mentioned here, and even download a full transcript of the show. Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. If you'd like to learn more, go to engineeringandleadership.com where you'll find more free articles, podcasts, and downloads to help engineers thrive. That's engineeringandleadership.com. Engineering and Leadership.